Thank you for tuning in to the Remodel Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and encourages your daily life. So this is, welcome everybody, to the very first Sunday of 2018. We're glad that you're here. So very quickly, I want to I give a recap of last week. Last week, I shared a little bit of vision, a couple of big goals that we have for 2018 um, here as a church and as a family. If you weren't here last week and you haven't already, I want to encourage you to take some time throughout this week while you're driving down the road or whatever, but listen to the podcast. It's very simple to get on it. If you have a smartphone, iPhone, Android, all you have to do is download the podcast app. Once you have it downloaded, then search the Remodeled Church. We are the only church that I know of anyways named the Remodeled Church. You'll see it come up. Uh, you'll see that our, our logo come up. You click on it. Then just go to recent sermons, past sermons, and then go to, it's called Vision 2018. Or is it 2018 Vision? One of those two. It's going to be the only one that has vision in it. But these are the two major goals that I want us all to remember. And they're at the very top of your note sheet. I want you guys to fill this out. And I want you guys to hopefully remember this because this isn't going to be one of those things that we just do one time and then it's accomplished. But these are going to have to be day by day. Um, These are long-term goals, not short-term goals. So one of the first things that we want to do is we want to give people an opportunity and a safe place to respond to God. This is what we believe as a church. We believe as a church that from day one of our lives, from the day that we are born, from the time that we take our very first breath, we believe that God is putting things into motion and he is drawing at us. We believe that God is pulling at us, calling our attention from day one. Doesn't matter what environment we grow up in. Doesn't matter who our parents are. Doesn't matter who our siblings are. Doesn't matter where we were born, what our last name is. None of that matters. From day one, God is putting things into motion to call our attention, to draw on our hearts, to bring us close to him. That's why James says that if we would draw near to God, God will draw near to us. So our entire life, it's, it's not like God is far away. It's not like God has been running away from us. It's not like we have done something so evil, so bad that God has put up this wall between us. If there's a wall between us and God, it's not because God built it. It's because we built it. Right? In our entire lifetime, God is pulling at us. He's he's drawing at us, man. And God can use um, all kinds of things to draw our attention. Sometimes he'll use the people around us. Sometimes he'll just use something that we see driving down the road. Sometimes he'll even use a TV show. There's a TV show my wife and I are, are watching right now on Hulu's and or on Hulu's. What in the world? On Hulu. And uh, and the other night we come up to this episode. And I told my wife now, because it's one of those shows that'll make you, you know, make, not me, I'll never cry, but, but make, you know, people that are emotional, make them cry. And on this episode coming up, I was like, hey, this is a show, this is the episode that made me cry. 
And it was funny because this, this show, God used this show to show me, this episode to show me how much bitterness and how much resentment and how much anger was actually inside of my heart. And it was years ago that, that I watched it. I mean, it's, it's five, six years ago. It was before uh, Lauren and I got married. I'm, it's about midnight, and I'm just sitting there watching it in my room. And all of a sudden, this one line that this guy says in this episode, and it just unlocked just something in my heart. And I realized how bitter and how angry I was. And, man, I cried. I'm telling you, I haven't ever cried since then, but that time I cried. And... Uh, and it just made me realize that God can use things that, I mean, who would have thought that an episode, that God would have used an episode off of a TV series to speak to my heart and to reveal my heart. And so we believe that as a church. We believe that God's drawing from day one, every single day, he's putting things into motion, drawing our attention. And we as a church, we want to be a safe place we want to be a place where they're given, where people are given the opportunity to respond to him. Because people need that opportunity. Don't you, don't you think that? Amen. Don't you think sometimes it's, it's, it's better if we just have a good environment and, and a, just a, an atmosphere where we can respond to God drawing on us? And so that's one of our big goals in 2018 is, is we want to be the place we want to be the church, the place, the people that they can that people can be surrounded with that they can respond to the draw of God on their hearts and on their lives. And then the second thing that I want to do, or that we want to do as a church, that that is our big goal, and this is going to take, this is going to have to be a combined effort on all of us. But we want to make sure that by the time, by the end of 2018, there is not one person left be- between D-Queen and Mina that does not know that God loves them. We want to make sure that there is nobody between D-Queen and Mina by the end of 2018, by all of our efforts and by all of our strength, we want to make sure that n- nobody is left out from knowing that God loves them. And even though we are in the Bible Belt, and even though maybe there are churches all over the place, I do understand this. People have been hurt by the church. I understand that people um, who call themselves Christians and people who, who wave a Bible around have done just evil things to people and have said hurtful things to people. And because they were acting in the name of God, supposedly, this makes people think that that is God. Gandhi said, I like your Jesus. I don't like your Christian. I like your Jesus. I love your Jesus. I don't like your Christian. And sadly, there's so many people in our communities that feel this way, that have been hurt this way. And so we want to use all of our efforts and all of our words and all of our resources and everything that we can to make sure. Listen, we can't make everybody come to church. I understand that. And we can't make anybody accept Jesus. I understand that. But we can definitely at least do our part and make sure they know that they are loved by God. We can do that, can't we?
I don't know, sometimes we might want to hogtie somebody and bring them into church and make them sit down. But we might get in trouble for doing that. Or at least I did a couple times. But we can make sure that we do our absolute best to make sure that they at least know that God loves them. That they at least hear that message. And not only hear it with their words, but they would see it with their eyes. That we would be the first ones to forgive. That we would be the first ones to show mercy. That we would be the first ones to be moved by compassion. That we would be the very first ones to extend grace. That we would be the very first ones to be generous. That's who we want to be as a church. We want to be that church. We want to be that family. We want to be those people. You guys with me? I'm so thankful for the two of you that are. Are you guys with me? Because I can't, I can't do this on my own, guys. Okay, I believe with all of my heart that this is a God-given vision. This isn't just EJ dreaming up some stuff. EJ just trying to put some words together. I believe with all of my heart this is a God-given vision, and I can't do it on my own. I need your help. I'm going to need you. God is going to need you to do some incredible things this year so that we can fulfill this vision. You guys with me? Let's open up your Bibles. Let's go to Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. Matthew chapter 22, verses 30 through, excuse me, 34 through 40. Matthew is the very first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 34, chapter 22, excuse me, verses 34 through 40. Brother Gary Jennings, a a pastor friend of mine, very good friend of mine, he's in Hot Springs, Arkansas, he shared with me about the very first time that he invited my dad to preach to his church. And for those of you that may not know, my dad is Hispanic. English is his second language. And uh, during worship, my dad's trying to say something to Brother Gary, and Brother Gary can't understand him. He says, what? My dad repeats it again in, the, in English, you know, speaking to Brother Gary. He says, what? And so my dad repeats it, and Gary says, I can't understand you. And my dad looks at Gary, he says, you know what? My English isn't going to get any better by the time I preach, so something's going to have to give here. Okay, that wasn't as funny to you guys as it was to me, okay. I was just going to say, that's the way I feel right now. My preaching isn't going to get any better over the next 15 minutes, so something's going to have to give here. You guys with me? Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he, speaking of Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Highlight that. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. 
You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophets. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much this morning for your presence. We ask you, God, that you speak into our hearts and speak into our lives. Open up our hearts, God. Help us understand your word. Help us to receive your word. But God, more than anything, help us to live your word out. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, amen. Amen. So the people here, what they're trying to do is, is they're, they're not asking Jesus a, a real question. In other words, they're not really asking to learn but they're asking to try to catch Jesus saying the wrong thing. Because at this time, uh, all of these Pharisees, the Sadducees, they, they have already decided they want to see Jesus dead. They want him in prison. They want him locked up because he's teaching against what they believe and, and challenging their lives. Isn't that what so many of us do, right? I mean, anything that challenges our, our, our comfort, we just push it away. And that's what's happening. Jesus is challenging their comfort and he's, and he's sharing the truth with people. So whenever they ask this question, which is the greatest commandment? They're not asking again. They're not asking so that they can learn. He's not asking with an open heart so that he can, he can live it out. But he's asking to try to set a trap for Jesus. Then Jesus responds with, you should love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. Then he goes on to say, and the second one is like it. Love your neighbor or love the person next to you as you love yourself. And then I love what he says at the end of it. He says, all of the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. So everything else that you know about the law and everything else that you know about the commandments, they hang on these two commandments, on the big two commandments. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and then love other people just as you love yourself. You see, this is what we have to understand. If we would get the first two commandments right, if we would get the greatest two commandments right, then everything else would fall into place. Have you ever noticed that as you, as you just look down the, the Ten Commandments, have you ever noticed that they all revolve around your heart? Like, honor your father and your mother. Well, that's simple. If you would just simply love God and if you would love people, then you would honor them, right? Isn't that right? When I love God and when I love people, I'm not going to steal I'm not going to kill. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to covet or be jealous. I'm not going to spread gossip and rumors. You see, if we would just get the first two or the greatest two commandments according to Jesus, if we would get the greatest two commandments right, if we would just love God, love people, everything else would fall into place. You see, I would even argue that the other commandments are in there not so much as, as big guidelines, but actually just for all of us that like to justify ourselves. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When I talk about justifying myself? Like cheat day? 
that turns into about four days out of the week instead of one? I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. But we justify ourselves. And so we tend to, we tend to do things that we maybe know are wrong. But as long as we have some type of moral compass on this other side or just something to make us feel a little bit better about ourselves, then it's okay that we did that. You see, so, so what, what we would like to justify why we're jealous of someone or we would like to justify why we're spreading rumors or gossip. Of, well, well, it's true. They really did do it. Well, that doesn't give us any reason or validity to slandering someone, right? So if you don't know the Ten Commandments, that's okay. If you can't recite all of them by, by memory, that's okay. Because what really matters, if we would get these two right, if we would love God and love people, everything else would fall into place. Now, this is what I want us to understand about this, is love, you don't fall into love, but love is a choice. That's what I say every wedding that I've ever done. I say that, and I try to drive that point home, is is we don't fall into love, but we choose to love. Right? We choose to love. We do not fall into love. We choose to love. You guys with me? Lord knows that if Lorena had fallen in love with me for my looks, Lord knows that my looks have gone way downhill the last five years. Sorry, bro. You're, you're right there with me. So, if, so we don't fall into love. We choose to love. And so I'm just going to help you guys out that aren't married yet, that are teen, for those of you teenagers or those of you trying to date and all, all that kind of stuff, and you're, and you're wondering who you're going to marry and, and all the, Let me just say that you're going to marry whoever you choose to love. Stop waiting for somebody to come give you the butterflies. Man, that's probably bad milk or bad pizza from the other day. You know, I think that's what happens is, is we... What happens so much, I think, in today's society is we choose to love people because they're saying all of the right words or because they're taking us to the right places or because they look the right way. And then when some of that changes, we choose not to love anymore. Are you guys with me? So the 15-year-old... Teenage girl chooses to love the guy that brought, bought her chocolates and roses. <gasps> They're so romantic. Any married ladies, how long has it been since you got chocolate and roses? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Don't answer that. Calm down, Cello. She's over there barking at Troy right now. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> <laughs> You see, so what happens, what happens when we choose to love people based on merit? 
based on what we believe that they deserve. What happens is when we believe they don't deserve it anymore, then we choose not to love anymore. You guys with me? And so that's what it is like with people. With loving people, again, it, has, it, it is a choice. Don't try to fall in love with your spouse or, or boyfriend or girlfriend. Don't start trying to fall in love. It's just a choice. Just look at somebody's character. And if you're okay with their character, then just choose to love them. It's really that simple. It's not that complicated. And when it comes to God, I think so many times we have this prayer of, God, help me to fall in love with you. And a few years ago, probably back in the 90s, there was a song that said, I want to fall in love with you. And that was like the whole chorus. I think the whole song was those five words or however many words there are. But it said, I kept on saying, I want to fall in love with you. I want to fall in love with you. And it's such a beautiful song. And everybody sang it. Churches sang it. But the truth is, God cannot do any more for us than what he has already done. You guys with me on that? You see, the greatest sacrifice, the greatest merit or the greatest, uh, the most deserving thing ever done to receive love or worthy of love was given 2,000 years ago when Jesus took the cross. And when he died on that cross and when he defeated the grave, if that is not enough for us to love him, then nothing else that he can do would ever be enough. You guys with me on that? So God should not have to be running around like a genie um, granting wishes for us, for us to, to fall in love with him or for us to love him. We should be able to look back on his record and see what he has done already for us and choose to love him. Matter of fact, God said, we love him because he first loved us. So if what he has already done for us is not enough for us to choose to love him, then what else can he do? What else can he give? You see, we could, we could say, just like, just like in the Old Testament, there was this man named Job, and, and he was rich. He was absolutely loaded, had thousands of acres, thousands of livestock, had, had hundreds of servants and employees working for him, just absolutely loaded. And God looks at Satan, he says, look at this dude. Look at how much he loves me. And Satan looks at him, he says, of course he loves you. Look at everything that you've given to him. He says, it's like you've built it, build, you have built a wall around him. And you don't allow anything bad to happen to him. So, but just take that stuff away and see if he still loves you then. You see, and so many of us maybe look at it that way, that if God would just bless me in this way, if God would just give me this, then I would love him. I would serve him. How many of us have ever made promises to God through prayer? God, if you'll just do this, then I'll do this. 
one of the most urgent prayers like, uh, like that that I ever prayed in my life. I'm about nine years old, and I'm playing at the very back of the church, and my dad is preaching. And my dad, like most dads, I'm still trying to figure out which one my look is, but my dad had that look, and he's just preaching, man. And I just happen to look up, our eyes happen to connect, and he gives me that look mid-sentence, never stopped. I don't think anybody else in the building realized it, but I did. And I remember I sat up right in my, in my seat right then, and I just, from that moment, I just started praying, God, because I knew a spanking was coming my way. I mean, my, my dad, we believed in spanking. Well, I believe in spankings still. But my dad definitely believed in spankings. So, man, I just, I start praying right then. God, if you'll just make him forget this one time, I promise you I'll never play in church again. And whenever, at the end of the, the message and when my dad gave the altar service, guess who was running up to the front? Me. That was me. I ran up to the front and I'm praying at the altar, God, if you'll just make him forget this one time, I promise you I'll never play in church again. And I don't know if God just answered my prayers or maybe I didn't get that look from my dad. I don't know what it was, but I didn't get a spanking. But guess who was playing at church that next Sunday morning? Yeah, that would be me. It was this guy. And so many times we'll say, God, if you'll do this, then I promise I'm going to do this. And what happens so often, just like when we love people, whenever we choose to love on merit, then when that goes away, so does our love. So we may say, God, I'm going to love you if you'll heal me. Or God, I'm going to love you if you'll bless me financially. Or God, I'm going to love you or I'm going to serve you. I'm going to follow you if you'll do this. Well, rather God does or doesn't, more often than not, we go back on our contract with God. We back out on our promise and on our commitment with God. Again, because it's all based on circumstance, on what we feel in that moment. We don't fall into love, but we choose to love. One of the ways, and, and in your notes, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, just read that at home. But one of the ways that we showed God our love is through obedience. The greatest way that we can show God that we love him, that we trust him, that we believe in him is through our obedience. John chapter 14 says that if you love me, Jesus speaking, if you love me, then you'll keep my commandments. You'll do what I say. You will obey me. If you love me, you'll show me through obedience. It's one of the greatest ways that we show God and we show Jesus that we're thankful for his sacrifice and that we love him is by not taking advantage of grace and by simply walking in obedience. By, again, choosing to love God, choosing to love people. By doing the little things that he prompts us to do. Sometimes it may be as simple as just sending a text or calling somebody. And, and then sometimes it's just doing the right thing at work when everybody else is doing the wrong thing. When everyone else is adding to it and when everybody else is, is trying to gain just a little bit extra, the dishonest way, 
obeying Jesus, obeying God, showing God that you love him, that we love him, would say, well, I may take a little bit of a cut here, but I want to show God that I love him. So I'm going to be obedient to his word. I'm going to be obedient to who he has called me to be. That's how we show God that we love him. God showed us that he loved us by sending his son, his one and only son. Jesus showed that he loved us because he took that cross when he clearly did not want to and didn't even have to. But you know what he did? He chose love. And he put us ahead of himself. And he chose that cross. And sometimes we have to do the same thing. Sometimes we have to choose love, choose obedience, and choose Jesus, choose God ahead of ourselves. You guys with me? That's how we show Jesus that we love him. That's how we show God that we love him is through obedience. The best way to make sure that we choose love is to guard our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all, keep your heart, guard your heart, because from it flow the issues of life or flows life. Guard your heart. The best way to make sure that I'm going to choose love is to guard my heart. Because here is the reality. If I'm sitting here listening to someone telling me all of the evil and rotten things that so-and-so has done, it's going to be very difficult for me to love that so-and-so. You guys with me on that? Do you guys agree on that? No? No? Yeah. If I sit here and listen to somebody tell me about how evil Josh is and how he lied about them and how he did this and how he did that, next time I come up to Josh and next time I meet Josh, I'm not going to want to hug him and be like, hey, bro, what's up? But in, my, in the back of my mind and in my heart are going to be all of those thoughts. going to be everything that everyone else said about, me, about him. So if I'm going to choose to love Josh or choose to love anybody, then I have to remove myself from those conversations. I have to guard my heart. Right? Because what happens whenever we're away from people and whenever people begin to talk to us about those people, what we do is we demonize those people. Right? So it's that group of women of married ladies or that group of married men that all they do is bash their spouses. If you happen to be in one of those groups, get away from it in the name of Jesus. Slap yourself in the face, forgive or, or ask for forgiveness from your spouse and get away from it. But listen, if, if, if I'm at work and all day I'm around four or five guys and all they're doing is talking about how my woman don't cook, she don't clean the house, she don't wash my clothes, and the house is a mess, and that, 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 and she, if I'm listening to that all day long, and I come home, and I see a, just a speck of dirt on the floor, 
what are going to be my thoughts immediately? Whenever I come home and I see my wife, I'm not going to be happy and, oh, baby, I'm so glad. Good to see you and give her a big hug and a kiss. I've got all of that in my mind. I've got all of that in my heart. And the same goes, you know, for the wives as for the husbands. If we're going to choose to love, we have got to guard our hearts. We've got to remove ourselves from negative conversations. And and we've got to remove ourselves from negative situations. and, And sometimes that means we have to turn off some TV shows. You guys with me? There's some TV shows that, that, man, they have such a great plot, but I cannot stand that they seem to promote. They seem to promote just evil things. So I, I, can't, I, I can't watch it. I've got to guard my heart. I'm not going to allow that to, be, to come into my heart. So I cut it off. We have to remove ourselves from situations. We can't allow ourselves to demonize people and and to have resentment and have anger towards people that didn't even do anything to us. But we don't like them because of what someone else said. To choose love, you have to guard your heart. And that might look a little bit different for all of you, but more than likely all of you understand And you probably already thought of a scenario in your head that you may have to remove yourself from. Guard your heart. We cannot fulfill the two greatest commandments if we're not willing to guard our hearts. We cannot allow other people to bring negativity and to make us think ill or wrong about other people or about God himself, we have got to guard our hearts so that we can love God, so that we can love people. And this is what I want you to understand. Not only does everything fall into place as far as the other commandments when we get the first two or when we get the greatest two right, not only will we obviously not want to steal and murder and cheat and, and gossip and slander and all of these things. Not only will we not want to do all of those things or, or at least not do them. But this is what I believe. I believe that whenever we begin, when a community comes together and begins to love God and love people just as he has called us to do. I believe we can change the world. Amen. I believe we can change our community. I believe we can bring hope to people. I believe people can look in a, can be in a hopeless situation. And because a group of people love God and love people, I believe they can find hope. So Friday night, um, we had the opportunity to celebrate um, with Polo and Magnolia are their names. Um, They come to the Spanish church, but they were celebrating 34 years of marriage. I haven't even been alive for that long. That's that's incredible. 34 years of marriage. And the entire time, all that I could think about, all that was going through my mind is not only how incredible it is, but how sad it is that we don't see more of it today. You guys with me? 
And I truly look forward to the day when 34 years of marriage is common. When it's common. When everybody does it. Not, oh, I hope, I don't know if I can make it that long. That's a long time. When these aren't even thoughts in people's brains and heads anymore. You see, and so that couple, the fact that they made it 34 years, and then Polo gets up and he kind of shares his story, and it's incredible. It really is incredible. Um, the things that they overcame together and, and how difficult some moments were. But it's inspiring to me to see that it's possible. That it can be done. And that it's actually not as difficult as what it may seem to be. You see, when people come together that love God and love people, they inspire in the same way that they did. If we would come together, love God, and love people, we can share hope. I believe we would be moved to compassion. And I believe we could fix a lot of brokenness in this world if we would just love God and love people. This is the end of the message. For more information, go to www.theremodelchurch.com.